Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Look, I'm going to be honest, I barely made it today. I'm dying of the plague here. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, everyone, what's up? So I'm off my second vaccine, so my throat's hurting a bit. Pat's feeling sick. But to this week, Gab is carrying the cast because he came in the top two of the most recent Sunday Modern Challenge. So obviously this week we're going to be getting into a lot of blue-eye control, a lot of testing that we have done this week, and also anything that we want to talk about. I think we might be talking about the Insight Esports beef potentially, uh, and maybe some other things, I don't know. But mainly focus today is Modern and uh, Gab's great results and our testing. But before we get into every episode, as always, I have to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor the cast. I need to let you know that it's a marketplace online to buy anything card game related. It could be Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Go check it out. You can buy sleeves, deck boxes, singles. You can sell on there. It's basically the best place in Europe to get anything Magic the Gathering and card game related. Check out cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. Uh, and we should also thank all our patrons. We're brought to you by patrons. So if you would personally like to support the cast, patreon.com slash midweek metagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the intro. Quick one today. But like I said, Gab, top two in the modern challenge on Sunday. I'll give us a little like uh, description of your deck and also how you found the event. Yeah, I uh, wasn't too sure what to play, but I saw Wafo. Uh made the finals of the challenge on Saturday. So I figured he was throwing blue-white and blue-white was still viable. I played the deck a bit and had mixed results. I'd gone like four and four over two prelims and maybe a free two in a league. So like decent, but not amazing. But I was like, all right, you know, people probably wanted to see me play blue-white anyways, Waffle did well. I think, you know, that could still be okay. So I just decided to run with it. His his list wasn't up yet. It usually takes like all over a day to for the list to be published. So I just made the the changes I was thinking about making. I don't even exactly remember. I, I probably I actually need to go and look up the deck list because um but yeah, um played the challenge, started off with a loss actually. Lost very round one to Naya. Just Naya was a Renan six and Urza Saga. No, 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 though. They were playing a, it's a build I think that's been around because uh, I saw the list a few times and it, it, they play Traverse and they can Traverse for a few bullets. They have a Bone Crusher Giant, they have a Season Pyromancer, they have a Rallyer, Renegade Rallyer. That card was actually a super pain in one of the games. Like the entire game, I had to keep mana up just to not get rallied because they would they would be able to get a red and six back. So um, yeah, you know, after a bad start, basically you you lose round one, you can't make topic. You know, you have to win six in a row. But somehow I did. All my matches were really close. A bunch of different matchups, and um, just you know, close close games. Usually the case was blue white. It's not like blue white really dominates modern or you know it just that the matchups are uh run usually close and yeah some good runs um i beat yagmas i beat junt i beat a living in deck kind of a weird bill of living in i don't remember every every other deck i beat but uh lots of close matches and then i ended up losing the the very last round of finals to blue red murktide 
played by SWFF. They went undefeated. They were the only undefeated player in the Swiss. And they, uh, yeah, they, they beat me badly. They actually did not lose a game in the top eight either. Um, but nothing too special about their list. Kind of classic, uh, really. I mean, maybe Pat can tell us more about Blue Red, but super, super stuck Blue Red list as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was just absolute cookie cutter. But this deck's really good, so it's unsurprising they had a good run. Yeah, have you still been crushing? That's that's all you, you've been playing, right? You just love I, the deck still? Yeah, I, I just I haven't been playing a massive amount of Magic Online recently, but I played maybe two or three leagues in the last week. I four won every single one of them. I just never I just never lose with this deck really. It's just really consistent. It's right in my wheelhouse, and I actually you know I, I like it so much that I went out and bought copies for it in paper. Oh yeah, uh, you weren't joking. You said you traded an underground seat for the whole deck. Yeah, I traded uh, like a yeah, you know, I have like a revised underground seat that's in nice condition, and I just made an arrangement with someone back in Australia who basically had everything that I was missing, and they're just sending it over to me in exchange for that. Yeah, straight up one for one. Yeah, wow. I personally would have sold that underground seat on card market and then bought the cards individually, but that works too, I guess. Well, look, you 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 might enjoy this this little anecdote, Harry. The only cards that I couldn't get from my friend back in Australia were three foreign black border counter spells. So I bought those on card market. Hey, big up. Come on, come hey, on. Which version of Counterspell? Uh, foreign Black Border. So like, uh, it's like the fourth edition in Black Border. Because hmm. I, I, I have a beta copy and I wasn't going to buy three more beta copies. Okay, cool. I mean, the thing is with Blue Red Merktide doing well, it's I remember there was like a couple weeks where there were like three, four copies of Hammer Time in the top eight of the Modern Challenge. I mean, with Hammer Time on the downswing, that was really the only matchup I really hated with the deck. I feel like Blue and Merktide is going to shine more. So, you know, is that is that why you think it's doing well, Pat, or is there another reason? I mean, it's not putting out amazing numbers. I think it struggled a little bit against Elementals as well. That deck has just, like, a lot of good things against you. Yeah, between, like, you know, clean answers to Merktide Regent and also Cavern of Souls, making it so you can't just kind of sit there and lock up the game with a bunch of counter spells. It's a bit of a challenging matchup there, but... I just think the decks are fundamentally powerful. It just has like a critical mass of good one mana spells, uh, you know, quick clock. Like if you think about people who used to play Tombstalker or like Gurmag Angle used to be a big threat, but for now you can just play two mana and get an eight eight flyer. It's it closes the game real fast. So it's just a collection of really good cards that it's hard to kind of like meta game against in a lot of respects. So and yeah, the, and also the fact that like you mentioned, like Hammer Time is on a bit of a downswing and. Elemental seems to have been pushed out a little bit. A lot, a lot of that being due to uh, this recent like, success from like Wafo with with blue white variants and stuff like that, in, increasing that 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 deck's meta game share and you know, Tron Tron ticking up as well. That's kind of bad for Elementals, but it's great for Blue Red Merktide. So it's just going to sit there and like always be at the top tier of, top tier of the format. And yeah, I just just a fundamentally good deck with good cards in it, and it's hard for it to go wrong. I think. You just need to be picking the right tools for the weekend from your from the blue red side, rather than worrying too much about what's going on in the format in general. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because right now I feel like when I play in leagues, I'm playing as a lot of um, non-meta decks. So for those who don't follow my Twitter, I'm going back on the challenge grind this coming weekend. But uh, right now excited. I'm playing it's yeah I'm playing as a load of mid-range decks right now. I feel like I'm playing as a lot of Jun, a lot of black green. A lot of Tron, a lot of Mill. Um, so, I, you know, when I play these blue-eyed decks, I feel like I never really get to see what it's like against Merktide. And 
and all that. So I'm really interested in like, what's the head to head like? You know, Gab, you did lose the finals to to Blue Red. Is that something that you think is an unfavored matchup, or how do you, how do you feel Blue White's positioned against all these top decks right now? I think Blue White's probably not super great against the Ragman Chandler decks, and on top of that, you don't have Path to Exile in this version of Blue White, so the region was a huge problem for me in these games. I didn't draw my verdicts when I needed to, and I did bounce a lot of Merc Dead regions, whether it's with Teferi or Cryptic Command, but it, it didn't matter. They just get to Chasm pretty easily, uh, um, you know, over and over again. Yeah. And the, the size of Merc Tide region doesn't really matter in that matchup, which is a, a, a really important thing. It's not like you're putting a huge amount of pressure onto race, so it doesn't matter if it's 8-8 or if it's like 4-4. You don't have to get it over like uh, unholy heat range or anything like that. So it really is really easy to recast it after you bounce it. Yeah, I mean there is there is shark typhoon in the mid to late game, and there's just a uh, you know the, the the clog the number of turns. But um, it's kind of tough. It's it's they have threads that are hard to deal with, and they have almost as much card advantage as you do. I think I got a little unlucky. My opponent drew all three of their counter spells in the first game, and. That is, that is kind of tough. My draws were, were not super great, and the games were kind of close. I maybe made a, probably made a mistake at the end of the second game. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought the matchup would be fine. Uh, I think Verdict's really strong against them. You know, especially if they don't have Jace in the sideboard or something that punishes you for tapping out for a Verdict. They, you know, they have card advantage, but you have you have castles, you have Shark Typhoons. You also have a lot of card advantage, and um, they're not doing anything like if you can survive the early turns. You know they're not doing anything super unfair. They don't have you kind of have decent answers for for what they're doing. But if things don't line up super well, then obviously it can be tough. You know they're a, a better better old machine than you are. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely much smoother smoother machine than blue white. And you, you're right, the matchup's not bad for you in the turn from turns three onwards it's bad for you on turns one and two and so but so much can go on in those turns you know between big big rag advantages and you know getting dragon race channel going and getting establishing a quick clock like that you do have really good tools in the matchup though i mean prismatic ending is obviously really nice yeah fairy um, time ravel is excellent at like you know shutting down a really critical element to their deck supreme verdict's a good you know difficult to interact with uh, answer to the to their board but at the same time, you're trading in a mana disadvantage a lot of the time, and you're hoping to kind of just stick one of those kind of haymakery things and hope that carries you. Whereas, yeah, like you said, the the blue red deck, the whole the whole purpose and thrust of the blue red deck is to be good in situations in matchups like yours, in against decks like yours, I should say. Yeah, yeah. You, you also have Chalice of the Void that can do a lot of work if the games go long. The, the games were kind of rough. I remember in game one, I drew free prismatic ending and they somehow didn't draw a single one drop. They just drew all their Murtide regions and all their counter spells. And it, I, I'm guessing I'm guessing the mashup's somewhat close. But um, yeah, the, the build of blue white, same as, you know, really similar to what Wafo played last week. Wafo actually like crushed a weekend ago and he, he came in second again on on Saturday this, this, in this challenge. And played a very similar list. His his sideboard changed a lot, but the, the main deck was was similar. And uh for those of you who who maybe didn't listen to the last app, it's um you know foregoing Field of Rune, it's uh super good at casting Archmage Charm on turn three. You only have 
couple of white sources, and you play a lot of Mystic Gates. And as Counterspell, it has no opts, no Snapcaster, or you know you can play one Snapcaster and no Path to Exile. You play a couple of Chalice, but you don't go all out. You don't play four Chalice because you don't want to draw too many. They're not always good on their draw. You know they can be a little slow, awkward, um, but um, they're still they're still good on something like you know turn four go chalice for one counter spell backup maybe and then as the game progresses they get stuck with these unholy heats these bolts in hand so that helps you uh, that helps your your planeswalker survive. They, no Jace. I tried a Jace today in the league I played, but uh, just to, just both to fairies. Um, Jace kind of. Hard to keep alive, low loyalty, and since you don't play Path to Exile, it's not as easy to protect. And uh, you know, the fairy hero is just really nice with counterspell. It has. I was really fact- impressed by. Sorry, I was I was really impressed by the inclusion of Factor Fiction in that Jace slot. It looked really good for you every time I saw you cast it. Yeah, I agree. Factor Fiction over Jace was good. You know, Cryptic Command still still solid. Just incremental card advantage. And a ver- verdict is verdict is an all star for shark typhoons, and uh, spreading he's making a comeback. I only played one in the challenge. Waffle was was on two. You know he doesn't really like all of moments. He was also playing the second solitude, and um, in the league I played today, I actually went all the way up to uh, four four spreading seeds. I started the league yesterday. I went o two, and I kept pushing at more spreading seeds. I, I played four today, and they were they were kind of great for me. I didn't even play against a single Urza Saga deck. But they were still really good for me. I did play against uh, Tron twice, but uh, uh, maybe we can get some more, some more details later. But that, that might make you feel good about bringing a lot of sp- copies of Spreading Seas. I've been really impressed with that card when I was when I was uh, watching watching it play, though. And I think you know, one of the other kind of big storylines from the weekend is the uptick in Urza Saga decks because someone finally figured out how to put Ren and Six with Urza Saga and make it work. I think that's kind of Something we should de- we should definitely spend a bit of time talking about, whether it's immediately or or, or or a little bit down the line. But having a lot of like a lot of good targets for spreading seas, but also being able to like just snipe a few key colored sources kind of in the mirror if like, if they if they play Jeskai or whatnot. It's just pretty good magic card, I think. Spreading seas. One thing I did want to mention out of the board is last week um, when we were talking about Waffo's list, Gab, you kind of highlighted that you can play wear tear on the sideboard because of the one Jeskai triumph. Uh, did you ever draw wear tear? What was the mana okay with only one triumph? I played. I don't know if it was in the challenger and league, but I, I got paired against Hammer Time, and it was fine there. You know, I I was I was happy. Uh, Waffle likes his one fracturing gust. I think that card's maybe a little overkill, and um, maybe not necessary. I played the the one wear tear, I don't remember it being especially great or anything. I'm not even sure you really need it, especially if you're going to play four spreading seas, because it's it's mostly good against, um, you know, hammer times. You can get, a, you know, enchant and an artifact. I guess harder to scale this is around two. Um, I mean, it's fine. You, you do get the mana. I played the one crumble to dust. I played two crumble to dust in my... Uh, oh, no, I did not play crumble to dust. Waffle was playing crumble to dust, and I played two in my... In my my league today, and you usually get you have the mana, you have the one triome and six fetch lands, and um, yeah, it's fine. You could play a card like Fire Ice to just have the one triome. You could play a Steam Vent if you wanted to make sure you had a an untapped red source. Maybe if you play more than one or two copies of Fire and Ice, then maybe you want a second source of red. But uh, the the list is is pretty tight, honestly. I'm really happy with the list. 
I don't think the deck is amazing, but obviously it's good enough to to do well in these challenges over and over again. So I think Wafo kind of figured it out for now, anyways, for the meta. Um, I've been I've been happy for with Shark Typhoon. Maybe you don't want the four four, four copies. You board one, you board out one a lot, and they can be a little slow. But yeah, Verdict's just in a really good spot. Like right now, it lets you catch up. Um, and uh, the, the chalice is really effective in tons of mashup too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how blue-white decks are going to be more tuned. I mean, looking at the list as well, like you and Wafa have played such a very similar list. And honestly, what I've been playing, I've really liked. So do you, do you feel like blue-white is actually really really good or is it just kind of a pet deck at this point because i'm starting to really really like the list in the format i think it's good as long as people don't you know react to it too much no one's playing card like bull right now for instance you know when blue white was was good or a while ago or the blue decks were good a while ago you had boil you even had that blue red deck that had boil in the sideboard it was also good because people were playing a lot of dryads but um as long as there's not stuff like that going around, I think blue white is going to be a pretty solid choice. But if if you start seeing a lot of, I don't know what else, like Bull, Choi, Choke, um, all these cards people used to play and they haven't been playing because Control's been really, really mediocre up until the, the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that's, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next league or two of blue white I play, I get, I, I get boiled or, or choked. Yeah, you know it's coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering about the kind of ways you could probably possibly strengthen the Ragavan Dragon Red Channeler matchup. I mean, I know you went up cutting Wall of Omens, but that seems like a pretty clean answer, an ongoing clean answer, especially the Dash Ragavan, which is a card that your deck had a lot of trouble with. Is there any kind of other tools you could possibly think of to to strengthen that matchup? Maybe like splashing red, say Fire Ice or or Lightning Bolt or whatnot. It's tough because. Lightning Bolt means you need untap Fred on turn one for it to be really worth it. Fire Ice can maybe be already a little too late. Same for Wall of Omens. I was pretty high on the Wall of Omens, and then it was kind of me- mediocre for me. And I'm not sure it was super great for me in the challenge. It would it would look kind of okay, but then it would be like Urza Saga token that would be too big for a wall to block. Tarmogoyf would be bigger than a wall, so my wall would like chomp block. And um, obviously against Dragon Red Chandler too, it, after a while it just doesn't block that anymore either. So I, I'm not too sure. Um, I mean, there's a card like Oust, but that's a non-bow is your Chalice. It's kind of sketchy, you know, it's never been a great card. And I don't think there's good answers. I don't know if you've thought of anything, but I think you're just, you know, hoping for the best, hoping you either have... I mean, you you're, you are gonna have ending like half the time when they have turn one Ragavan, and you can you, you do a pretty decent job at playing catch up, but it might be the sort of thing where it's too hard to go out of your way to beat that matchup, and you just kind of take your take your chances of being kind of like your forty eight percent or 47 percent or something in the matchup overall, with that, and just pick up your percentages elsewhere in the meta game. But yeah, I think the best thing I could think of that doesn't kind of conflict with Chalice was just splashing for Fire Ice, maybe playing like one Steam Vents or something like that. Just so you can slightly more reliably cast it on turn two, because there are situations where it's it can really snipe 
you know, a ragged a ragged dragon race shadow and kind of ruin people's day. And those are the openings that you're really worried about. I just really worry about Dash Dragon Man. Like once people kind of get get a feel for what's up, especially like you know, a prepared blue red player will know that at some point in time his monkey's no good, like just sitting in play and he just needs to start dashing it. And you just can't answer that card without countering it. So it has to either counter spell or so that's not, that's not really true, though. You, you have Chalice of the Void, which I'm sure... I mean, I can't see my opponent's hand, but... I mean, let's, know, let's assume uh, that card's not allowed to resolve. Uh, no, we understand that. Okay. Um, oh, you're talking about blue-reds. Um, yeah, or, or, okay, sorry. There are there are other matchups. But, like, if you're playing, you're talking about you know, Black-Red, they have Culligan's Commands. Um, what other Ragaman channel shells? Yeah, even this, this new kind of, like, Ren and Six Jun deck that has access to Culligan's Command as well. In the main deck or anything, at least in the sideboard. Yeah, I agree the lack of path is a problem, but in practice it hasn't been that bad between the Shark Typhoons, the Teferi Plus, allowing you to play ending at instant speed, Archmage Charm. Um, I, I mean, I, I have ran into a lot of spots where they dash Ragavan, and you know, if you try and seal it with Charm, then it just bounces to their hand, so that's not very effective. Uh, you, you have to just counter Ragman. That doesn't feel super great. Will of Omens does help, but card... I was... I don't know. I keep going back and forth with Will of Omens. Spreading is just so good right now. Um, I was really impressed in the league I played today. I, I was mana-screwing um, Creativity deck. And, I mean, my, my parents were a little random. It was a Creativity deck that's... You know, it's 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 up there. It's it's been doing well. But then I played against like a weird version of Tron, and Spreading Seas was pretty decent there. I played a I played a mirror match, and uh, getting them off uh, the red means they don't get to ending for free. They don't get to end your Fairy Time Raveler. Um, you know, people were playing Waffles list, so I got to to get the one Colonnade. Having more Spreading Seas was was pretty decent. There was a game where I just got both their sources of white and. This scoop was five or six cards in hand. I'm assuming they had some Planeswalkers, some white cards. Uh, I got paired against... I actually lost to Eldrazi Tron after kind of a funny game one where they had like a pretty pretty awful sequencing of minusing, playing a Chalice for one and then minusing card to get Pithing Needle to stop my Teferi, but then their Needle got countered by Chalice. So we got a good laugh, but then I, I, Karma Karma got me... Uh, for making fun of my opponent because I, I lost the next two games uh, not seeing a single spreading seize. So that was pretty frustrating. But yeah, people have been playing Mono Green Tron. These, these, um, you know, it, also when you're on the play, these these people trying to get spreading six on two, you can you can screw them over. Um, we, we'll see. Need, needs more reps, but uh, I don't know. Spreading seize kind of back. <laughs> I'm not a believer. Honestly, I personally love playing Field of Ruin in Modern. And every time I've personally played these blue-white decks, I've always missed Field of Ruin. Um, I always feel like my opponent can have some sort of man land or maybe a saga. And obviously there are spots where it's probably better to not have it because of counterspell. But I don't know. It just feels it feels wrong to not play, in my opinion. Field of Ruin is just so slow. You, you don't really have time, I think, yeah. to, to, to Field of Ruin people. And it's not enough against Monogreen Tron. Mm. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just, that, 
it suffers the same problem as like a stone rain effect against mono green tron it's a fine on the play and not good enough on the draw and that's not a great place to be for game three when you assume you lose game one well, the point of Field of Ruin, right, was to have, like, in the past meadows, was to have the Force of Negation or whatever on the draw, right, plus the field. That was your that was your nut draw. So, like, here, I'm guessing you're going, like, turn two, counterspell, turn three, field, right? So... Having access I mean, to a good counter on, on turn two is actually pretty pretty, pretty important. Because, like, you had Mana Leak before, but they could just go Calm Great Creator and you were just toast. Also, yeah. Field of Ruin just fixes their mana sometimes. It's, like, not great to give them green mana a lot of the time where I'm spreading since they just get an island. It's also really important to have, you need some of these cantrip permanents because you have four to fairy time raveler and you need, you know, it comes up all the time. So whether it's wall, snapcast or spreading seeds, you need, you need, you know, you want three or four of these cards, you know, maybe solitude to live in the game, just bouncing your own permanents and super relevant because it's a, it's a decent part of your uh, card advantage in the mid game. But um, yeah, fire ice sounds I think that card's really, really good. I'm not sure what I would cut for it. Just that's also good. another big part of it, isn't it? Where, where do you find space for these things? Yeah, you, you can't can come in great numbers, right? Yeah, you can. You can trim. You can, you know, you trim a shark typhoon. You trim a spreading seas. You know, I was playing formula. You only played three, maybe. Trimming shark typhoon is actually probably a place that I would go start. I would start because it fills a similar role in the early game. Just kind of icing their land is exactly the same way as cycling. Yeah. Yeah, sort of cycling, cycling shark tofu for a small, small amount. Yeah, you can trim maybe it to fairy time raveler. Yeah, I could. Uh, you know, I actually that was one of those tiny changes I made after the challenge. I, I played one fire ice. In, in my list, and I mean, I only played two matches. They didn't really come up, but I think I think that I think that card is really good. Yeah. Should we talk about you were talking about the John deck? So John won on Saturday. Be waffle in the finals, and they build their deck around Lurus and Ren and Six was Urza's Saga, uh, Ragavan, Shellner, all the other cards. You know the usual suspect, and you know people have uh, think people uh, there's a decent amount of people who played that list on Sunday because I think the list was on Twitter on Saturday night. So if you want to play, you know you had access to the list. Yeah, the winner, the winner tweeted about tweeted out their victory. In fact, I sent you the I sent a screenshot to our, our, yeah. our group chat on the Saturday on the Saturday night. I think yeah. someone finally did it because I feel, I feel like I've been you know beating the drum of these two cards should go together, Red and Six and and Urza Saga for a long time, but no one's just figured out how to do it. Yeah, I'd I really like the shell though. Yeah, I think I had experimented right. I played a Naya Naya build in one of the challenge, and I did better than I thought I would do. I think I ended up going for free, but that was like a couple months ago. Just yeah, kind of Naya, Goiv, Chandler, Ragavan. Because basically I want to play Chandler and Ragavan and Ryan Six, but I didn't want to do... Uh... I mean, weren't people playing that Jun deck like two months ago, literally? All these... I have no memory of it. I feel I, like I, there I, were I, like... I Rag... well with it. I think there were Ragavan, Chandler, Ryan Six shells, but I, I can't remember anymore. I think they may have been holding on to a little bit more of the, the old the old Jun stuff and not doing the Urza Saga thing at the same time, which... I really, I just really love the combination of the Ren and Six Plus as a saga. Just also fetching up Shadow Spear and putting it in your Tarmogoyf is really good. Can, can we just say that it's, it's really cool to see Tarmogoyf taking it, making a comeback in modern again? By the way, it's really nice to see that card kind of yeah good again. Getting the seven point of toughness is really, really quite impactful at the moment. Yeah, it was actually interesting. There was like a change that both me and Waffle made for the chant as we both. Put rest in peace in our sideboard. He had two copies. I only had the one, but 
I, I wish I had more. That card is just really good right now. There's a couple decks that just scoop. You know, we were talking about that John deck. Uh, Ren and Six, Tarmogoy, Floros, Dragon Rage, Chandler. That, that card just totally wrecks them. There's actually a, a crazy, crazy game I won in the Swiss where I was so far behind and I, I thought I was drawing basically dead and I drew rest in peace and they had two ghosts in play. It was just a perfect draw. Oh, that and was that, an absolute pleasure. And, they had, and they had Luris in hand too. Um, but it was kind of funny because they actually played correctly. They tried to play around Verdict, so they played both Goyfs instead of playing a Goyf and a Luris. And if I had just played Goyf and Luris, I would have lost because they would have been able to attack me uh, for lethal with that Luris. Anyways. I feel, I feel like last week we were talking about the benefits of Sanctifier and Vec versus Rest in Peace, and maybe the format shifted enough in the direction that Rest in Peace is a choice right now in your wide control decks. Yeah, I still had two Sanctifier in Vec because I played the Ragdos matchup and I felt like that was tough. And Burn was kind of on the rise. And while that card's not amazing in Burn, it's it's not a core firewalker, but it's still super solid. I was like, okay, that's a little hedge against Burn. I kind of wanted to find a room for a timely reinforcement, but I couldn't. I think I actually ended up beating two Burn decks in the, you know, I think maybe one in the Swiss, one in the top eight. And, um, Sanctifying Vec was was okay for me, but there's a lot of matchups where it's it's a little awkward. You kind of want to bring it in, but you also need your verdicts. So Waffle well, actually cut cut the the sanctifiers from your sideboard and the good read for Waffle. Yeah, counter spell does help you a bit against Burn. You used to to not you know you used to have Mana Leak, which was dead a lot of time in in the mid to late game against Burn. So. Yeah, Mana Leak was always this kind of horrible thing because you're planning as Burn is like, I really hope they draw lots of lands so that they don't kill me very quickly. But then it just means you have no hard counter in the late game. Yeah, you also have the, the chalices that maybe can 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 help you. Because uh, a lot of times like you'll either lose really fast or you can also just lose later in the game to get you low and then you, you don't draw enough relevant cards. But this this version has a lot of hard counters and chalice and... The solitude trick can 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 get you. You know, even Teferi Time Rattlers really good against burn sometimes in the games where you don't get ran over because yeah. forces them to play their burn spell at instant speed or at sorcery speed. Just forcing them to play play on their turn at sorcery speed and just they have to draw a spell and cast it is just so good. Yeah. They just don't get to overload your mana and it's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. I was I was gonna say about Sanctifier and Vic that a lot of decks have started picking up Pirate Spellbomb. It's got a yep. it's it's a colorless answer to Sanctifier and Corefire Walker if you need it. It's also you can rebuy it with Lurus. It can either be a card advantage source or it can be a damage source. Yeah. And so, so the Jun deck I believe had one in either in the main or the side, I can't remember. Yeah, that's another reason not to play Sanctifier. It always feels bad when I mean that's just general concept in magic. You don't want to have a sideboard card that's answered by or easily answered by your opponent you know that's you don't want to no matter yeah basically that you want your sideboard card to dodge hopefully dodge what your opponent's doing that's right well i've seen so much of this jump deck in the leagues over the last week that people just kind of gotten really excited about it and been playing it a lot yeah what do you think about it I'm not sure how much how much longevity it has. It just looks very powerful on paper. I mean, it's the greatest hits of the last two years, really. People are calling it like Modern Horizons Tribal, but 
I've seen different ways to go. I saw um, so the, the list that won the challenge is uh, playing a bunch of discard spells. It has like Thoughtseize and Inquisitions. Andrea Mangucci was streaming a little bit. He cut the discard spells and he was playing uh, Ignoble Hierarch. Not sure I like the Ignoble Hierarch direction. You have a lot of mana and not very much to do with it. But at the same time, as a saga, is a very mana hungry card. Yeah, I, I think the deck's like pretty powerful, but at the same time, it's a little bit more one dimensional than maybe say like blue red Merktide is in in terms of like how it folds to like specific graveyard heads. Like more targetable, I guess is 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 my point. Whereas like, but it's also got like a hell of a lot of sticking power for a deck that could also put a lot of pressure on early in the game. Crow will be a big player going forward, but not maybe not the best deck. You know, over a sustained period of time. What I yeah. like about this Jun deck is that if we look at the 19th place, uh, God of Slaughter, I believe that's Charles E from the UK. Shout out to him. But uh, comparing this Jun list to, let's say, the red black list that Aspiring Spike was playing a ton of at the start of the meta, was I believe the red black list was like 19 lands, right? If I'm correct. Well, if you look at these, there are 24 lands with four Urza Saga, one Ghost Quarter. So to me, this kind of just seems like they've tuned these red black Luris decks from the past and have just added five lands in the spell slot am i am i wrong with that well this is what i was talking about last week almost to to, to a t saga is not it's not a land in these decks it has to be a spell mm -hmm. and they've yeah. certainly found a way to make it enough of a good enough spell that it's worth playing in this deck yeah i don't think that decks anything special i think it's fine i would assume you'd have you'd have issues with the mana because your colored mana might not always be perfect and you know it's easy to get flooded and while urza saga is a really powerful card it's not as amazing when you don't have a ton of artifacts well so, it's interesting because it's making artifacts but yeah. also it's a ragavan deck right ragavan naturally fix fixes your mana yeah but if it, you're hitting people with ragavan you're probably winning the game i definitely see the hardest part of the mana to me for this deck is trying to cast Lurus out of your sideboard. Mm. Having all these extra black sources, like I think in an ideal world, you would have maybe one black, you know, one overgrown tomb, one blood crypt, and be the rest just be red green sources. You maybe have some copperline gorges or whatnot to make your mana really good, but you wind up being um, having to go out of your way play like an extra an extra overgrown tomb, like an extra blood crypt to cast these Lurus out of your sideboard and. Obviously, yeah. it's really good and it's worth it, but it does give you these awkward spots. Yeah, for instance, this list, I don't know, the older mana is sort of similar, but it only has 11 sources of green. So that's definitely on the sketchier side. It's, what, it's trying to cast two two drops. Oh, so eight two drops. Yeah, but you need to you need to cast them on turn two. I mean, you're playing modern. Yeah. I mean, you like... You cast your spells on curve. Turn one, fetch blood crypt. Thoughtseize or Inquisition, turn two, Saga, dash, Ragavan. Boom. Mana fixed. <laughs> yeah. No? Perfect. Yeah. Flawless reasoning. <laughs> I think I think this actually... I'm going to play this deck for next week. I'm going to play sure this for Card Market account can handle, handle <laughs> Oh, it won't be for next podcast because it'll be next when... Uh, maybe it might be. It might be for the podcast, but I want to try out this deck for Card Market's YouTube channel. I think, <laughs> I think this deck looks good. I definitely think no. it's good. I agree it looks good. I just don't think it's anything special. Just like I don't think blue-white is necessarily anything special. Yeah, yeah. I, I can agree with that. I don't think it's format-breaking, but I definitely think that... I th yeah. 
I mean, I always make bad predictions. Okay, this deck looks trash because I'm thinking this deck <laughs> looks good, so it must be trash according to like 90% of people that listen to me. So you, this deck is trash. To, are you trying to get us another four-star review, Harry? <laughs> I think the deck is good, so that means I actually think the deck is bad now because I'm going to think opposite of what I normally think. That's actually a reasonable way to go about thinking about things sometimes. Sometimes if you feel like you're stuck in a rut a lot of the time, the best thing to do is just do the opposite of what you would normally do and just see what, see, see what the outcomes are. Forces you to do things you uh, do things outside your comfort zone every day. Yeah, it's kind of like how I played elementals today. Should I, should I go into that talk? Absolutely, this is a perfect time for you to go into how you played <gasps> elementals today. Okay, so I tried out elementals. I'm trying to diversify my content for not only card market but for myself. Um, I played. So I saw that in one of the challenges, someone did well with elementals with flame kin harbinger. Um, I don't know where I saw them doing Flame well. Flamekin Harbinger is the is the one drop that's used for an elemental. That's kind of stock in all the lists. I think you're talking yeah. about the one through haste. Oh crap! I took it from a second place at a two k. Oh well, that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the modern challenge. I was thinking this guy came second with this list. I was like, this list is so scuffed. Okay, well, shout out William Dean. I ripped your list thinking it was from the Modern Challenge, but it was from a 2K. Maybe the 2K was big, I don't know. But yeah, so I played this list, Thunder Thunderkin Awakener. Uh, Flamekin Harbinger's the one drop, the one mana one one. Sorry, Thunderkin Awakener. The two mana one two with haste that reanimates an elemental with toughness less than its toughness. So it actually, it actually was pretty good. What was bad was I played so badly I didn't realize how hard <laughs> Elementals is to play. It, it reminds me a lot. This, to me, is the modern-day Soul Herder with how you have to be very aware of card advantage, what's in your hand, what you should pitch. Like, honestly, it's so tiring how often you have to decide what you need to pitch to, like, Endurance, Solitude, Fury. Uh, just This deck is not for me because I like to talk to Twitch chat. I like to daydream sometimes when i'm streaming this ain't for me i went one four i only beat jund because this deck just crushes jund because of all the value um but yeah i i struggled with some flood today i i punted quite a bit i thought i thought the deck was way more powerful than i expected it to be because the elementals are so disruptive like fury is i mean i know we keep mentioning this every week it's probably the most underrated uh, a vote creature i like got so many three for twos today on the pitch as well as like fury ephemerate fury i was playing against affinity i did fury kill your ornithopter your frogmite and then ephemerate it and kill your um seven mana four four so i really like the deck is designed to just beat up on creature decks and it has a load of card advantage so i think the only thing that's like clunky about the list is that um, you struggle to hit your land sometimes, and as well as the Risen Reef is quite fragile. So those were the two things that I kind of came into. Also, the deck is really complicated to play. But, you know, I put a message in the group chat, and Pat was making fun of me for playing Thunderkin Awakener. Um, sure was. Yeah, so you said that I was meant to be playing Renin 6, is that correct? I mean, I just think you should play anything but Thunderkin Awakener, since the only cards that can return are Risen Reef and Flamekin Harbinger. Hmm. Yeah, I lost, yeah. I lost Awakener in my O2 O2 league yesterday. Uh, 
That card's always scary as a control player, anyways. I think most of the time it's paired with like one copy of Lightning Skelemental or something like that. And honestly, the number of games that I get hit with Lightning Skelemental and win, I just really, really, really high. So I just don't think much of Flankin. Flankin, Harvin. Flankin. No, Thunderkin Awakener. Sorry, Harris Boys in my mind. Wait, I, I think I... it's decent because you're you're almost always going to have Risen Reef because that's what you you tutor for was a Harbinger, and you know sure maybe your two drops not amazing on two but it's, it can be really good later in the game and I think that card's fine. I think some people had it in their sideboard too. Did the list you play Harry had them in the main or in the sideboard? Four in the main. The one okay. thing that I was like thinking about with Pat saying Ren is that there were games where. Uh, Flamekin Harbinger obviously puts the elemental on top, and if I'm keeping a two lander, I can't really cast it because I need to top deck the third land for Risen Reef, and then uh, specifically on the play, I should say. And then also, Thunderkin Awakener, a two mana one two haste on its own is not modern power level. Uh, yeah. You need to be getting back something when it attacks. So, what I really like about uh, Ren is that when you have these Flamekin and Thunderkin hands, uh, you can play the turn one Flamekin Harbinger if you have the Ren. Like, I feel like hitting your land drops in this deck is so important up to four. Like, getting up to Omnath is so important. And I feel like, well, I don't feel like you have to keep a lot of two landers with, with this deck because you get a lot of nice two landers. And obviously with Flamekin Harbinger putting the elemental on top, that, that prevents it. So I think, so, honestly, Ren and Six is what I'm looking for. I think that I think that when Canister was successful with this deck, he was playing red and sixes and Teferis in the main over some of the things you're talking about. So he wasn't playing any Thunderkin Awakener. And then some of the other some of the other things you had he, he didn't have in his list either. But yeah, I, I like the kind of I like the, the red approach. I also think that you're probably playing Flamekin or Flamekin Harbinger on turn one a little bit too often. Like I think it's better better save for the combination the, the turns where you, you play Risen Reef. So you go like Risen Reef and then play Harbinger because that just immediately puts the elemental in your hand, and you obviously just gives you a straight up trigger off off of um off of off of uh, Risen Reef. So that's a pretty pretty nice interaction there. So casting on turn one is pretty kind of like there's not very many matchups where you really need to save the mana that desperately, and you don't make huge use out of the one the one one body. It's not like you're like racing to beat people down very often. So I think sandbagging that card is probably a little bit more important once you. Once you know what you want to tutor for, and Ren and Six also obviously just like it doesn't cost you any uh, red red creature slots or red spell slots, so you can still evoke Fury really well. When you said you had a lot of three for twos, I was like, yeah, three for two is really good, but also three for two and like trading like any amount of mana for zero mana, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't imagine so not playing Ren and Six and like you're playing a mid range deck with no good two drops. In a run in six colors, you're already playing a ton of fetch lands. You get value out of your lands because of Omnath later in the game. That seems just like really weird deck building to me. Not not to play any copies. I'm not saying you have to play four, but at least play one or two. Yeah, as well as like you're playing Horizon Canopy too. So I I, I like the idea. People in the Twitch chat are saying Canister cut run in six ages ago. I don't know, but I'm I would personally try run in six in the list. As well as I felt like the sideboard was so weak. Like, I felt like I wasn't sideboarding a lot. Um, but I guess that's just because I ripped, ripped a list from online. I really like Foundation Breaker and, and Force of Vigor. I cast those a lot today. Um, but, I mean, that's just, like, 
what whatever you know it's elementals i think with utopia sprawl you should be really focusing on having heavy hit, heavy hitting three drops in your sideboard so like i would go up onto fairy time ravel i think that card was really really good and um you know veil of summer felt really good in this deck because i felt like i was playing against a lot of discard decks and one inquisition can easily like throw me off off of the uh, like a smooth um a smooth draw and i felt like i really like veil of summer as well as I was getting fatal push a lot, but I mean, having a mix of like veils and ca- and cavernousols is pretty horrendous if you're ever trying to cast a counter spell against these decks. But yeah, mm-hmm. protection against discard spells not too bad. If I was in the if I was sitting there and playing the matchup though, like from a deck like you know a Jun style deck, like a discard spell deck side, I probably wouldn't have discard spells in my deck post board against you. I just don't think having those cards in the mid the mid to late game as top decks is really something that. I'd be interested from that point of view, but if your opponents had them in and like, and you go bail for them, that's like obviously doubly good. Yeah, I mean that was it for me for elementals. You know, one four, but I definitely think like that league could easily have gone three two four one with like tighter play. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept forgetting I had a freaking companion that I'm done that in a long yeah, time. Yeah, that was incredible. That was this deck. Incredible. I don't know. This deck to me just feels like it doesn't have a companion. That's why I just kept forgetting. So. And as well as, honestly, I, I fell asleep at 8, 8 p.m. last night. I woke up at 10 p.m. I slept so long, but the co- the COVID jab did something different to me. So I'm going to blame it on that, okay? Yeah. That's it, fine. So life on the line, you pick elementals, right? No shot. I don't even know what I'm going to life on the line this week. Elementals have just been solid for a while now. And all these Omnap deck, I've always felt they were pretty strong, whether it was... You know, kind of mid-range Omnath control, that elemental deck, just, you know, in formats kind of mid-rangey, so Omnath's going to do well in, in these spots. Yeah, Omnath was definitely the all-star alongside Risen Reef. I think, like, the three main cards are Ephemerate, Risen Reef, Omnath in the deck. I, I just, I don't know, just I mean, I magic. Think, I think you can, you can lump Fury in and Solitude in with that one as well, or maybe even with, with Ephemerate. They all kind of work together as a as a as a as a, as a pair. Mm. Did we test any other decks this week, Gab? I think you said you did like a video for Channel Fireball. It was just blue white. I think I mostly played blue white this week, but there was a lot of of diversity in the top eights. Again, you were seeing how you know people haven't really broken modern yet. It was thirteen different archetypes over the two top eights, and. Uh, the overlaps, the, the multiple copies were living in actually, and burn. Not exactly, uh, you know. Uh, I guess blue white to me and waffle it was blue white, but yeah, burn and blue white, <laughs> and we're back to uh, yeah. back old. to back to old modern burn burn blue white and living in. I guess the next are different. Commander, I saw your cryptic command electrolyzed today, and I really felt <laughs> thrown back eight years or so. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so nothing too crazy. There was one list that kind of stood out. I actually beat them in the, I think I beat them in the Swiss, but they, they still made, they were the one, the one five and two player who made it in top eight. It was Belfi. Not sure if I'm saying that right, but, uh, they, they're playing a, a living inversion was more green and four endurance in the main deck. That four endurance in the main deck, two foundation breaker in the main, two fury in the main. And uh, no, no force of negation, no grief, just two subtlety, two brazen board for interaction. I guess they do have these foundation breakers. They have bone crusher, giant, and fury for removal. 
And uh, yeah, co cool take on the deck. Well, they have Bone Crusher in the main as well. Yeah, and oh, they're so playing. They really, they really set up to fight the creature fight. Yeah, and they're playing Titanoth Rex over Waker of Waves. Titanoth Rex, the eleven eleven trample. It's a big boy. Yeah, I I played that card at the very beginning. I don't remember why I cut it. I guess I just decided Waker of Waves was more important and just better cards. Presumably, that's I, the direction you go if you want to cast endurance or pitch endurance regularly. Yeah, I can imagine this definitely absolutely just trounced the mirror. Yeah, no, that's fair. You need, you need way more green cards, and uh, it, it looks pretty good to me. There's a Valakut Awakening. I thought it was maybe a little cute. Your your mana is already not great. I mean, I guess they're playing it as an extra spell because it's like 19 lands plus Awakening, and you have a couple of Furies, so extra red cards. But uh, yeah, cool take on Living In. Also, I was going for the Fival list. I saw a banned version of Living In. So you get to play Arden Plea instead of Outburst. That's definitely a downgrade, but they were playing Teferi Time Raveler kind of as their catch-all. And um, I think maybe your creature base is a tiny bit weaker, but yeah, Living End's just still, still a really strong deck. Well, if these takes seem like a response to me of Living End doing pretty well last week, I think we, we highlighted it last week on the cast, like, it won one of the, it won one of the PDQ, it won the Super PDQ, and it had a couple of other copies in the top eight. And the mirror match in the, for that deck is just so heinous that these builds look like they've gone out of their way to be like, I'm going to be an advantage in the mirror if I have to play against it. And I, I'm going to assume that the macro strategy of casting Living Death is good enough for me to win, regardless of whether I'm playing a power down version of it or not in other matchups. Yeah, it might also be the fact that it's super creature heavy meta and you want to be able to win the games where you don't you know have the the absolute nuts in the first three or four turns and endurance helps you in these spots because in some matchups you get in spots where you're you're living and aren't even that great anymore because they have creatures in the yard and um yeah maybe that helps you in the blue red matchup that matchup was always super tough for the version of living in i was playing because ragman and chandler backed up by counterspell is is tough they just kind of snowball and having four endurance is is probably really good in that matchup. Oh, if they just honestly, if they I attack on turn three, and I think they're going to outburst, and they just wind up enduring me, I just my my heart would break. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not like it's that different to them going outburst, untap, cast shardless agent, and my mana's taxed. But ah, oh, just if they've got, <laughs> it's just not going to go well for me if that's if they if they're playing three four flash reach blocker. This is not great for me. Yeah. I really, actually really like the kind of, I would not choose to do it personally, but I, I understand why they're making these decisions and making change, making pushes in one direction or another. And it's kind of, it's, it's at least interesting and innovative from, from both these people, the blue white version and this more, more green heavy version. Yeah. It's cool. Well, there's not, I feel like there hasn't, it's been a few weeks since we've seen like maybe something truly innovative. There's still a lot of wiggle room, you know. I don't play a ton, so I usually don't haven't been brewing as much. But it's cool to see these slightly different takes, you know. People adding, you know, even just adding ending to red black and some Kaisgal to the sideboard. That was, I think, Sal Malka who did that, and he, he made top eight. Um, different burn decks. Uh, the 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 burn deck I beat in the semis and the challenge was actually. Uh, I called it. I think I called it "Burn Good Cards" on on the stream because they had Luris as a companion and they were playing 
Dragon Knight Chandler as well as Gragavan. They're also playing Bump into the Night, I think, which I didn't see, but I think they had in their deck. So there's there's things you can do. Um, it definitely saw... seems to be two camps of burn people at the moment, Lurus people versus non-Lurus people. And I can't understand why you wouldn't want to play Lurus. It's not like the deck has any three drops. Yeah, I think it's Aspiring Spike who makes fun on the reg of people not uh, not playing Lurus in their burn deck. It just seems like a free roll. I mean, it's not like the, cards, the sideboard cards are even particularly good in burn it. Yeah. From from what I what I can see, I mean, you really kind of you're really hoping that four smashes Smithereens is good this weekend, you know? Yeah. Not I cool... never understand burn. What don't you understand? Just kills people really fast and face, 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 face. I don't. I okay. So for example, I don't know why burn is suddenly good this week when it's like the argument that burn would be good could be applied like to when everyone was playing turn one Ragavan, right? No? I'm not sure. I Yeah, good question. Yeah, Just I, I, don't, I don't quite have a good intuition as to when Burn is good or not. I just don't think Burn's particularly... Okay, this... You never know what matchup percentages truly are in reality, but I never feel that Burn is actually a great choice. There have been times that it's been excellent, and it's done well, and it's taken advantage of fields... But I just don't think overall you can really assume that it's ever like great. And I just think that when it has good weekends, it just has good weekends. And it's not I don't read too much into burn doing well. I just know that I know that if 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 I'm worried about my burn matchup in the deck, I can change my sideboard cards to make it make it to improve it. I can if I think that a lot of people are gonna turn up playing burn, I can pick a deck that's fundamentally sound against it. And I think that people when people have success with it, they probably know how to play it really well. They do a good job and they play really well, but they're not if you play a tournament that just went on for an infinite amount of time, they're not going to be, be the person with the best win rate overall. It just can't be like that. Mm. Burn, uh, yeah, Burn used to be bad, and then they printed the the canopy lands for every color, and then it became good. That definitely helps a lot, yeah. I mean, that was such a big, big problem for Burn, because, you know, you needed to draw three or four lands and 10 or 11 spells to win. And if you didn't, you lose, and as soon as you flood a bit, and you didn't kill people right away, you lost, and that just basically almost single-handedly solved the the flooding problem. But then after that, as it was paired with there's Uro, so that was kind of tough. Uro and cling to dust, and now I guess decent amount of Omnath, which is basically game over if if you haven't killed them by then. So yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe 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 not a ton of Omnath in the meta. There are two things in the meta that have come from, that, that are relatively recent additions that have made Burn pretty pretty bad in my opinion. I think Omnath is one of the one of the big big ones. But I also think Merktide Regent is a, is an important part of like why Burn's like struggled. You know, maybe a month ago it wasn't doing so well, but it's been doing well now as the as the blue red Merktide metagame share has gone down because that kind of single handedly changed the dynamic of that matchup. Or maybe maybe Counterspell's another part of it, but having just this threat that you can go. All right, here's my eight eight flyer, and they can't they can't kill it, they can't race it, and so what are you going to do about it? Having the having your the blue kind of control deck or tempo deck not be a deck that you kind of just beat up on suddenly it means that what, what matchups are you really winning? So yeah, I will say 
I have tried to pick up Burn, both in Modern and when it was like a good deck in Standard or a fringe deck in Standard and try to play it. And I just, on some fundamental level, I don't quite get it. There are elements, there are maps that you just think that, yeah, cool, so I'm just going to cast Burn spells at the face and I'm going to time it well. You know, I'm going to you know, just not, not cast spells into open mana, they won't counter it. Kind of thing, but you play matchups where like they put creatures on board, and you're like, "What am I supposed to do here? Am I supposed to just am I supposed to ignore that? Am I supposed to supposed to pour my spell at it?" And it's, I think a lot of that is like practice and repetition of familiarity in spots that means that the people who play burn a lot get really used to knowing what I can, what you can, what you have to respect, and what you have to ignore, and you know they they really kind of maximize it, maximize the, the spots that they get themselves into. So I have a lot of kind of quiet respect for people who are really good at playing burn but i just never choose to pick it up for a tournament i don't think it's the best thing you could possibly do in a matchup oh yeah it's sorry not in a matchup the best thing you possibly do in a meta game yeah the the lack of food decks i want to see in chat maybe um that the, yeah the, the combination of removal and all the food tokens was really rough for burn and these decks are there's very few uh, people still playing was Asmara and the, the oven and whatnot. Can I say it's really cool that that's fallen off, so I never have to pretend that I know how to pronounce that kind of name? <laughs> I just call it Asmara. Asmara Condicular. Actually, MTG Remy made a song. Did you guys see that? No, Absolutely I didn't. Not. His one of his latest songs. It's, it's gas. It's really good. It's a it's on the the tune of Mary Poppins of Kelly. Oh, Super Califragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah. See, I know how to say that word. See, so you could probably see the other one too. Super califragilistic XP Allodocious. <laughs> I wonder if I, I like that when I was like four years old or something like that. It's just muscle memory at this point in time. Do you think MTG Remy's gonna make a song on Insight into Esports? Ah, Harry. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> so were we going to talk about, I didn't know you were going to talk about Inside Esports. I thought we were going to yeah, talk about I the just, announcements. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much. I want to mention it because I was. You know, kind of promoting the movie on my stream, on on Twitter. You know, it wasn't. I mean, they did pay like a couple of my inscriptions, but that's not why I was doing it. You know, I was just generally excited that someone was organizing tournaments, and I wanted them to be successful. And I, you know, I mean, I guess the whole like we pay you within sixty days should have been a huge, huge flag, but I didn't realize. And um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, they were running tournaments, and I think. I mean, I'm sure they started with good intentions and maybe something happened and they had cash issues and they kind of ran, you know, I think they were just trying to, they were just paying prizes was future entry fees, basically. And um, uh, the they fell super behind on, on their payments. I, I mean, I cashed two of them. I played like a few tournaments, like three or four. I don't know how many, but I cashed a couple. I made some money. Um I don't know. I hope, I think they're still trying to pay the players. I hope they do good. And maybe even, you know, if they pay everyone and come back, I would be, you know, why not give them a second chance? But yeah, I just want to say, obviously, uh, yeah, I don't know what I want to say. That's what I just said, I guess. (laughs) Allegedly, allegedly, they made 33 grand and have only paid out five. Allegedly. So, hmm. I, I should be more involved as someone who's owed, I think I'm owed like thirteen or $1,400. And I know people have been, you know, kind of tallying up the numbers and trying to figure out what's going on. And um, 
Yeah, I actually don't even know. I think this the the guy in charge, you know, the the CEO, whatever, said he he was trying to pay people. I don't know if it's still the case, or he was just trying to save face, or um, you know. But I, I don't know if I should feel bad. You know, if I should have maybe done my homework a bit more and being a bit more suspicious before promoting them, or if, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't. In my opinion, I think the thing is that they're on MTG Melee, and to be a tournament host on that website, you have to be verified. Like Midweek Metagame, for example, is verified on MTG Melee, right? And I saw people saying like, oh, you can't blame MTG Melee for you getting scammed. But I don't know. I think I feel like really the responsibility is in the process of verifying like the verification process right because what's the point of having a verification process that's going to happen in my opinion i feel like it's for example is if you buy a video game off the steam marketplace for example and then you'd literally get nothing it's it's not yeah. the game it's steam's fault because they verified that game to be on the store i feel like that's the same thing we've taken part in a game and we haven't you haven't been paid so i feel like okay yes it's the tournament organizer's fault but i think Equally, it's Melee's fault for not having a proper verification system. I'm and, sure it will lead to a change in how Melee yeah, is yeah. about verifying its tournament organizers. So future. you're saying I should message Brad Nelson for my $1,300? I don't think it's their responsibility, <laughs> but I think it's their responsibility to make sure that, like, the orgs that they're allowing to, yeah. to do these. Because I did think it was kind of crazy. I remember us saying on the podcast, we were like, only like 60 people played and they still said they're going to pay out the 5k. I remember like you specifically saying that Gab, you're like props to them. They didn't get a load of players, but they're still paying out. And I, th <laughs> I think now that we've actually had this scam go through and you think about it logically, there's some random org with like less than a thousand followers on Twitter and they're totally fine dropping 5k between 60 people. I, it did make me raise my eyebrow, but I was like, oh, it must be some million, you know, it must be some millionaire magic player just bombing money in the summer or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. I didn't really question. I thought it was a bit weird. I was like, maybe it's just their stretch, you know, they just, you know, operating as a loss, but they're trying to build their platform and stuff. But then you think like, if you're going to put, if you have that kind of money, are you really, is it really in, in magic Magic Arena is that the game you're picking, you know, to start your yeah. Unless it's a combination of someone who has money and loves Magic, and you know, kind of you know, like some some people. I mean, it's it happens all the time, right? People with money who starts esports organization because that sounds fun and a cool thing to do, even though they don't really know they're gonna make money. So, um... I mean. There's no shortage of people who love Magic the Gathering who've pissed away their entire savings trying to start some brick and mortar store and have it go under in two years' time after having sunk, you know, a hundred grand into it. I, I it strikes me as something similar to that where they're just trying to hope that it catches on and starts to grow and make enough money while doing something, you know, trying to make something of themselves or something like that. I mean, it's a kind of probably it's most likely a sad tale. Well, the reason. Considered. The reason I believed it, I won't say which company, but I spoke to a sponsor and they told me that they had enough funds to host their own PT that paid more than Watsy. They were like, we're thinking about hosting a PT that pays more than Watsy just to like 
showed the public how little they put money into the game. But and that was in a private call as well. So they weren't doing it just to like flex on me. But so that's why I kind of believe inside esports, because I felt like there are companies in Magic that make a lot of money. And this sponsor was saying like Magic is making bank because we're making bank and we're smaller than Watsi. So that's why I believed it. But the fact that no one was getting paid and it took this long to get out is why I mean, it's obviously a scam. I mean, also, weren't they saying they're sponsored by Chipotle and Razor Gaming? And then they people emailed in and Chipotle were like, who, who are who's this company? Like, no, we are not associated with them. Um, so that that's I think that's where kind of the house of cards toppled down or, or whatever. Yeah, they went on for a while, right? Because they've been running tournaments for what six months? I don't know. For I only played my first inside esports like a month or two ago, but I think they had been around for a while. And I'm guessing people were getting paid if if it didn't come out earlier. You know, scam. Who knows? Yeah, I don't I, even know I, that much. I think it's honestly like the magic community is so small that scams rarely happen, right? I think a lot of scams happen in like CSGO and, and, and all that stuff. People are used to it. But, you know, this is the first scam in magic. And this is what happens when you have e an eSport. There there are a lot of scams. And uh, it's down to the community to, to identify that now. And I think, honestly, this is just a learning point for us now. You know, people are going to question future 5Ks, 1Ks, whatever. And I think, honestly... While it sucks right now, I think it's good in terms of like the health of the game and actually tournaments. I think people are going to tighten up. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing you get burned once and then you're more careful in the future. Um, yeah. I mean, it just sucks for people who, you know, I, I, I'll live, you know, if I, I never see the $1,300, but, you know, that's a, probably a lot of money to, you know, those, the prices they're missing out on is probably a lot of money to some of the, the, the people who are playing the tournament. So, mm. how much sucks. was the entry? How much was entry to these events? I never checked. Well, I usually like 20, 25 bucks, I think. Yeah. I mean, that that is annoying. Like, if you spend like 100 bucks and you're expecting 1,000 and you're actually just down 100, that's just like so dirt. I mean, what can you do, eh? Yeah. I, I don't really have much else to say, you know, just a, a learning point, and I'm sorry if you lost money. Yeah. Tough. Um, I also want to talk about the, there was some big announcements yesterday on the, the Magic Twitch channel. They, you know, they had uh, Aaron Forsyth and I forget the, 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 the names of the other team. I mean, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Basically, they were announcing the the sets for the year to come for 2022. The four the four sets. So we're getting. Let's see if I can remember. We're getting Return to Kamigawa, kind of, but 2,000 years later Kamigawa. It's so kind of futuristic uh, Kamigawa. We're getting a new world, which is called Streets of Kapana or something. It's basically like gangs and stuff fighting it out and in the streets of that that city we get is it the lord of the ring set too so the lord of the ring set is modern only uh, uh right, right right it's not standard standard legal so for standard there's brothers war which is urza and mishra going at each other so i'm pretty hyped about actually i think it was a, one of the sets people were least hyped about the, but you know the boomer and me—that was the set that got me the most excited. Um, I, I'm definitely with you. They, they got me excited too. 
the 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 crime the crime gangs thing is actually the it's going to be like a wedge set, so it's going to be like Jund and Esper and that sort of stuff. So I presume we're going to see the completion of the triumph cycle. That's it. Yeah, um, they did. They did talk. They, yeah, the the streets run right. The the the, the gangs on. Yeah, they said it exactly. was uh, the new world is a, is yeah is a wedges block. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was hoping for on streaming, and that's what I, I guess. But we'll see. They didn't. They didn't give any clues. They didn't. People were a bit disappointed. They didn't spoil any cards. I think they gave the name of a planeswalker for um, Return to Kamigawa, but no, no card spoiled. Uh, there was a ton of commander and secret layer stuff. Obviously, I don't care for that. I don't think any of us really care for that card for that stuff much. But you know, it's always important to to wizards and to a lot of players. And you know, we were. I was hoping for something about organized play, but I was also not holding my breath because they did say that there was going to be much in 2022, especially IRL. We're getting the the arena championships was so a bit bigger price pool than they had this year. But besides that, not much. You know, they said, you know, they did say it was 2023 where we'd probably see the, the new system for OP, the new circuit. So I saw a lot of people upset, a lot of pros upset on Twitter. I didn't really get it. I I was not especially disappointed. I, I thought it made, you know, I think it made sense for them not to really announce much. It's kind of funny where we make fun of them when they make announcements of announcements, but Yesterday, they didn't make an announcement of an announcement, really, and people were upset, so the Wizards really can never win. They sure can't. They have absolutely no hope of ever winning in the kind of Twitter outrage sphere. And it's so bad. It's always the same thing. It's like people outrage, people complaining about other people's outrage, and it's like kind of, and it's all negativity, you know, there's... It's like just the cycle of negativity on Twitter. It's it's so insane. And people trying to get the likes, giving their hot takes, but like, you know, bashing the people who are being negative. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to. I, I kind of I should have probably tweeted something like positive. Be like, you know, I didn't expect much. I think it makes sense. You know, give them the time to come up with a good system. Um, you know, we're still like over a year out. And I think that's fine. They did announce something about store championships. Um, so there's going to be store championships, and the cool thing they're doing is, well, cool thing, I thought it was not much, you know, I kind of laughed a bit at it, speaking of negativity, but the, the winner gets a full worm call engine, the top eight gets a full collected company, and everyone gets an Arbor Elf, and there's the name of your store on the foil, so they're kind of unique, and, you know, you can oh, rep your cool. store. Yeah, it is pretty yeah, cool. You know, maybe they could have picked something more playable than the Worm Call Engine. Um, you know, modern staple Worm Call Engine, I don't know. Uh, Collected Company is, is pretty decent. Armor Lab is pretty decent too, but uh, I guess if you're a green player. Um, I, so I, I like the Return of the Store chance. I just, I, I think it's, I never really played in them very much when they were around beforehand. I mean, there was PDQs and PPDQs or whatnot and GPs for me to play. But at the same time, it gives me a little bit of hope that they're kind of leaning back into that kind of push for kind of maybe like nationals and you know World Magic Cup style tournaments. Is kind of like maybe you kind of anyone who makes top eight of a of a of a store champ or something like that can go play the go play the national championships or something like that. Yeah, it it, it gives me a little bit of hope for that that sort of direction to go, which 
honestly, if that's the, if that's the sort of aspirational like international play that they promote and put put a little bit of money into, I'm actually kind of okay with that. I mean, nationals is always a brilliant brilliant tournament. It's a first step, right? And it's something that's easy to or doesn't really take coordination. You just really just yeah. send them and to it, the prices. You know, different regions do different things based on, you know, how their COVID situation is at this point in time. There's no real kind of like, we're going to have 2,000 people turn up at this convention center where in the middle of Florida, where basically the bubonic plague is still going on. Yeah, it's not really kind of creating giant events, which are going to be horrible for, you know, the global global health overall and stuff like that. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. Harry, what do you think? You always have the hot takes. What do I think about OP? I don't know about yesterday's announcement or the lack thereof or announcement or people complaining on Twitter. Or... Um, I think, honestly, what I've done is I just don't listen to anything Watsy says anymore, so then I have nothing to complain about. But, I mean, I think the thing is I there's nothing to complain about here. Did they say they were going to talk about OP? No, I, I. So then, why are well, they there complaining? Were like, there were like big thing, big announcement. I guess it was one thing we didn't talk about. There's the Netflix show, so maybe that's what they were referring to was like super big announcements. There's the the anime uh, magic Netflix show that's coming to. Uh, they said late second second part of 2022. I think people are naive to think that Magic saying we have a big announcement is tournament related because. Yep. I, I feel like while professional play is important for the game, it's definitely not the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, I, think, I think honestly, people are just selfish. I personally am a very strong esports guy, but let's be real. Come on. I mean, what, maybe 20% at best of Magic players are comp players? Yeah. Plus, so... they, they already said, I mean, they already said there's going to be an OP system. It's going to be more inclusive and open to more people and targeting a wider audience. And it's going to be a robust. They kept using the word robust. You know, obviously, it's a little vague, but um, so, you know, we we already know a bit. So I'm not sure. I mean, it would have been nice, sure, if they have it all planned out and all figured out. Sure, let us know, but and get us excited. And I, I, I do agree that. In an ideal world, it would have been good because it gives people something to look forward to and keep keep them engaged, keep competitive player engaged in the meantime, even though, you know, with COVID and stuff, they can't maybe do much in 2022. And I do agree. I saw another point. I think it was maybe Cuneo who was saying it would have been nice maybe to see something about Arena since, since you know, they might not be ready for big live events next year. It would have been nice to, you know... We we are getting draft open. That was kind of the one of the big things for Arena. That's something new that's coming up. Instead of just being sealed deck open, we're getting more limited opens and first draft open. So that's pretty cool. There's also draft at Worlds this year. So that's that's a step. You know, that's a step in the right direction. But you know, maybe that said, that spectator mode is back on the the Arena map or. <laughs> There's some kind of term of structure, some, some, you know, a little, little arena improvement might, might have been nice. Yeah. Also, something I see, I've seen a lot of people complain about is like the Fortnite Warhammer 40k. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. They, they aren't play. They're not 
they're not going into standard, right? I just need to clear that up. They're they could or they could not, but who? I don't. I mean, I. I think they're just vintage legacy commander, right? I'm pretty uh, sure. I, I, I don't know. So. They did do D and D for standard, so I'm not sure why they couldn't do something like that. I don't remember. I don't think it would be a big deal. Let let. And pauper. I mean, let's just say this: Who gives a shit? It's just artwork, right? Yeah. With a different name. Yeah, I agree. honestly. I mean, and something that people say is like, oh, it's changing the game. I mean, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't like Travis Scott, but I like Nike. When Travis Scott and Nike do a shoe together, I'm not screaming on the streets like it's the end of the world. You just don't buy the shoe. That's who's, what happens. Who's Travis Scott? It's just a singer. And like all these companies, the thing is right now is like it's quite young and hip to do all these collabs. Everyone's collabing right now. Like. It's very popular in the clothing industry. It's it's coming over to games. I mean, that's fine. I, I, I'm, there's been collabs for years. Who gives a crap, bro? I mean, okay, it's a kid's game, but I'm sure there are many adults that like Fortnite. Yeah, especially so. from competitive players. Like, I mean, personally, I, I never cared. I mean, for the longest time, I never cared about the lore, about the art. I mean, just the only thing that mattered to me is what card does in a game of Magic. The rest like could have mattered less. I'm I don't know. Maybe that's I'm guessing there I'm not just, the only one. There are a lot of things in life that are not for me. This is not for me, and it does not matter in the slightest. It's for other yeah. people, and there are a lot more other people than there are me. Yeah. And like people, I think the biggest argument is like, oh, what happens if the card is competitive? Like if the card is competitive and and there's a low supply. I mean, come on. Watsy want money. They'll just reprint the card. I mean, okay, maybe they won't have the license to, but I mean, they're going to be printing so many of these secret layers. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I highly I, doubt. I, that the I very much doubt that they're going to even. So some some of them are going to be unique cards. I think street, the Street Fighter secret layer is going to have mechanically unique cards, but there's absolutely zero chance that they're powered for anything other than Commander. Yeah, I, I, I mean. Magic's an expensive game. If you're going to quit because one secret layer makes your deck like an extra hundred bucks, I mean, be I, my I guess. Think that, I think that given the way that secret layers are printed, if they printed like Ragavan in a secret layer, was the only place you could get it, it would yeah. be worth like $500 or more. Look, all I'm saying though is that if you want these secret layer cards for cheap, shopping wizard on cardmarket.com, okay? That's the best way to get cards for cheap. <laughs> but uh, yeah that kind of ends my opinion on it i mean i honestly don't give a crap and i feel like people just like to complain because i don't know maybe fortnite coming to their to their game is too childish ah, who knows I, I couldn't give a damn i might just be embarrassed about losing to children who like fortnite mm. yeah i mean also like it grows the game right there's probably gonna be a fortnite kid who buys it because he likes fortnite or a mom that buys it for their kid who knows? I don't know. Should we should we life on the line? We should. All right, yeah, okay. let's move on. So for those who are sick of us ranting, life on the line is a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. Go talk about a deck. Uh, sorry, you don't have to talk about a deck. You have to choose a deck from uh, every format that we talked about today. Only talked about modern, so got to pick a modern deck. For me personally... I'm really worried that I'm going to die, so I'm just going to take the uh, winning list that beat Gav in the finals by SWFF. Is it Tempo, Blue Red Merc type, whatever you like to call it. 
I've had had a lot of experience with the deck. I think I have two five O's with the with the deck as well. So I'm confident I'm living. What about you, Pat? Blue red Merktide. Thank you very much. Shocker. What about you, Gab? Damn. I mean, I gotta go with blue white control. Okay. Okay. Cool. And we got a price is right. So, what what card should we price is right today? Today. I'd say Chalice of the Void. Ooh. Okay. You can start because you picked the card, I guess. Oh, but there's different. There's that nice printing with old borders. Should we do the um... original mirror version, please? All right, original okay. Meriden version. I think that card's really expensive, but I don't know how expensive. I either want to go into fifty bucks range or in the hundred bucks range. I'm gonna how go old f- is Meriden? I'm gonna go Meriden fifty bucks. Fifty bucks, two thousand three. Okay, I'm gonna say. I wish wait. you no idea. It could be twenty. It could be. It could be a hundred. Yeah, I'm gonna go fifty. Mirrodin set. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, I'm just. I want to know the year. I don't. October. Why do you want to know? I mean, that changes things. Th- things that are old are more expensive. Want, That's why you're worth more than the artist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I'm gonna say, honestly, I saw Chalice of the Voice sell for twenty five pounds. Damn. Oh, yeah, pounds. oh So I'm gonna say, you said fifty euros. I'm gonna say thirty. I said fifty dollars, though, did I? Oh, you have to say euros. So euro. Um, all right, forty euros. Okay, then I'll say pff, I'm gonna say eighty. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it being old makes it worth. I'll say eighty euros. I don't know. Right. Okay, I'll take thirty-five euro. Okay, oh. chalice of. I right, just you just lowballing me. Nice. Just What's the set me? symbol? Mirrodin. Oh, that one. Oh wow. Oh, wait, no, it's English copy. Oh, wait, no, it's price trend. We're the doing 30 seven-day day average. 30-day average is 28 euros on card market right now. Okay, so Pat wants so it was... Yeah. Wow, and I said, what did I say? It sold for 25 pounds? Why did didn't you, I go with myself? Yeah, didn't you say 30 at first? The very first thing you said was 30 euros, and then you decided to go to the moon? Like, I, well, because, because you said 40. You said 40, so I was like, I don't want to be close to Gab, so I went W. Oh, I went 80. Bought our pats. <laughs> the card's been reprinted a million times. I don't know, man. I have no idea. Who cares? Just okay. go to card market and buy things. Yeah, shout to card market for sponsoring the cast. Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitter at GabNasif, Twitch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash yellow hat. Cool. You can find me internet to HMGG. You can find me punting this week on Card Market's channel with Elementals. I think I'm already getting, I think the top comment right now is saying I'm a noob. So go check that out, and also call me a noob in the comments as well, because it gets me more money. Pat, what about you? You can find me calling Harry a noob in a private chat where it makes him no money. <laughs> okay, well, I hope you guys all enjoyed. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for listening this far. I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. As Harry said, if you made it this far, we love you. Take care, have a great week, and uh, yeah, we'll see you, we'll see you later.